Spirit. We're, we're going to hear some words that uh, um, Christine's going to read to us, and they come from Galatians. And Galatians is this amazing book, which talks to us about um, how Paul wanted the church to hear how he'd come to understand about Christian community. And so in the words you're going to hear right now, he's, he's describing where he got to an understanding how big this community could be. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. It, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, God. to God. Thank you, Christine. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Holy and living God, we ask you to bless now this, this congregation and each individual life that has walked into this space on this post-Thanksgiving Sunday. As we continue to give thanks, we also seek to continue to turn our hearts and our minds towards you. We pray that it is your Holy Spirit that moves and stirs, that edifies and confirms, even convicts and forgives. May this be according to your purpose and to your glory. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the anomalies in Montrose when I was going to elementary school is that there was one remaining small little two-room country schoolhouse out in our part of the country outside of Montrose. And so... I can honestly tell you that for, and I've got it wrong my, uh, during 9 o'clock service because I've gotten old, I sometimes forget. I was actually, I attended this two-room schoolhouse for my sec, first and second grade. And so I went to kindergarten into, Mon, into town in Montrose. And then first and second grade, we went out to McIntyre School where we would go over there in these two rooms, and we would be there, and I was there for two years, and at recess we'd go out and back and play on the playground equipment, but mostly sneak over into the apple orchard that was adjacent to the playground. And uh, there we'd do all kinds of tree climbing and apple picking and, and apple throwing and, you know. And it was wonderful. I loved my time at McIntyre School. It was closed down not long after uh, my class went through, but so glad I had those opportunities. And I can tell you that one of the things I take away from all of that time, both in that school and also in the rest of my elementary school experience, is that of all the things that they taught me, 
It was the playground that taught me some of the real important lessons of life. On the playground, everybody was welcomed. All were allowed to swing, slide, climb, or teeter and totter. There were no signs saying only the tall kids could ride this or only the skinny kids could slide on this. Now, at times, there were moments when our lesser human selves were revealed, when kids were left out, pushed off, or ignored. The playground was not always a fair place, but that was part of the lesson, too. The world would not always be fair, but it was supposed to be. And sometimes grace would break out and new friends would be made. Sometimes, for some reason, everyone got to play and everyone got along. Not every day, just the best days. Now, playgrounds have come a long way since I was a kid. Now we make real effort to make sure the ground is soft that you land on. Not so back in my day. Now the sharp-pointed, rusty parts of the swings are replaced quickly. And now there is playground equipment where people of all kinds of ability can play. We went down to Depot Park uh, yesterday with the grandkids and, and played down there and played on the new musical instruments that were installed recently that allow people in wheelchairs and other ways in which they have transportation to walk, to roll up or move up into them and play uh, so they will have access as well. It was wonderful. Today, safety and fun are brought together on the playground. And playgrounds have changed as we've learned new things about playing safe and become sensitive to opening up the possibility that all children get a chance to play. Those lessons inform me as I read my scripture. The Apostle Paul was one who was on a journey of faith his entire life. He started out as one who was named Saul, you may remember, who passionately loved rules and laws that governed how faith should be lived out. Those rules were given initially to help guide the people, to to help them know proper boundaries. But those rules also became something more than that. And when he rose in leadership, Saul's knowledge of those rules was admired. His passion on such matters led him, as rules often do, to find meaning in seeking out rule-breakers and punishing them. And the group of rule-breakers that Saul loved to seek out and punish the most were those first Jesus followers. He saw them as rule-breakers. They and their teacher, Jesus, were often accused of not following the rules as they should. They had already killed Jesus for it. And now his followers were also equally guilty in the eyes of Saul and others. And for Saul, when you didn't conform to the rules, your life didn't mean very much. He loved it when a young man named Stephen was horribly murdered by being pelted with stones for not renouncing his faith in Jesus Christ. It didn't matter that after that, I mean, I'm sorry, after that, he sought to jail, silence, or kill Christians because their witness challenged the rules that Saul had come to embrace and thought were more important than anything else. It didn't matter that those Christians were characterized as those who shared freely, loved God deeply, lived honorably, and humbled themselves to care for the needy. 
So he persecuted them because they kept breaking the rules. That is, until his journey took him to a place one day out on the county road where he met Jesus in a very dramatic, dramatic way and in a way that called him to accountability. He was overwhelmed that even in his moment of reckoning, he experienced unconditional grace. There, laying on the ground, revealed in his false faith, he received love that was beyond his ability to describe. His journey took a new direction. And instead of persecuting Christians, he sought them out. Instead of hating Jesus, he worshipped him. Instead of thinking that Jews and Christians could not be one, he sought to find a connection. Instead of living a faith based on rules, he was called to live a faith with a new revelation that the grace of Jesus Christ never ends and is open to all. He became a new creature, really, in every sense of that term, because of the grace he received. And now, no longer Saul, but called Paul, he sought his understanding of he saw his understanding of community, purpose, and joy in a new way. Now, instead of seeing who wasn't welcomed in, he sought to share the word with everyone. It was because of grace he could write the words you heard already today. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. His walk with Jesus took him on a new journey, where instead of excluding others, he sought out others to welcome them into relationship with Jesus Christ. He defined community inclusively. Now, there are those who say he did not go far enough on his journey of inclusion. And there certainly are places in his writing where you would say he he did seem to still not be equal in his language. But I think that's to miss the point. Consider how far he went in his life, in his one man's life, from one who believed that there were people that you had the right to kill because of what they believed, to being someone who was as inclusive as he became. He was on a journey. And Paul's witness to us is the fact that the Christian faith is a journey to walk closer with Jesus Christ, to continue in relationship with Jesus Christ and be open to where that spirit takes you. Paul never intended for us to get stuck on the last place that Paul got to, but rather to see his life as a celebration of how this grace continued to help him grow, help him understand more, help him to be a new creation. We are called through prayer and holy living, like Paul, to continue on a journey of faith that is real and faithful today. We can trust in the living Christ and the revealing power of the Holy Spirit, just as he did, to help us find what is faithful today in the name of the one who loves us so. Now, this church is on a journey. We are not seeking to find a fixed place where we can all stop and hunker down to find like-minded people who think the same things and never are open to anything else. Our journey of faith calls us to reach out to all and welcome everyone into our journeying community. Now, we know 
Those who come to us will help us broaden our understanding of the power and reconciling work of the grace of Jesus Christ. Our accountability will be found in how the character of our hearts and lives reflect Jesus. And we know, like the playground, that when new people come to us, they will bring to us new understandings, new ways of seeing faith, and there we will discover how they and we together can grow to be the body of Christ we're called to be now. We will adapt and grow as others are welcome as equals on the journey of Christ. We are not seeking to bring others in to make them like us, nor to have disparaging groups of people within the body of Christ, but rather to grow together in the oneness of Christ, celebrating our diversity. It's not always easy to do that. In fact, it's very hard to do that. It's easier just to hunker down, but that's not what Paul did. And like Paul, we will humble ourselves before Christ and open the doors of our hearts and church the world to everyone without exception. Now, as the global denomination of the United Methodist Church struggles in trying to understand how to relate to LGBTQA people, we have our answer. And you gave it to me 15 years ago. I walked into this church on June 29, 2004, and met the Staff Parish Relations Committee for the first time. And that committee, on your behalf, said to me, Pastor Rick, our church is committed to do what? Connect and people to God. That's what we're about, they told me. And we'd like you to lead us in fulfilling that mission. And so for the last 15 years, we have. We have sought to fulfill that mission as God has led us to do that. So we've sought to welcome all because in that meeting, no one ever said, well, what we really mean are these people, but not these people. You said connect people to people and all to God. So like we have and like you have for 17 years and before that, we will continue. We will continue to fulfill that mission to reach out to all, to find a welcoming place where we can share in vital relationships with each other, always seeking to connect, to connect to God in the name of Jesus Christ. We will seek to create holy spaces where everyone who comes in this place will find it safe to be who they truly are and to claim it in the midst of the community, to be loved, to be cared for, and to all mutually grow as we share truth and focus on Jesus. We will be committed to create space where our actions and words let all people know this is a safe space. And we will seek to connect with others based on this simple truth and our experience. We have never found a place where God's grace ends. Our clergy has brought forth, and our leadership and staff have reviewed the following, and we bring it to you now as our witness on how we're going to continue in this journey of faith with each other on this issue of inclusion. This statement of inclusion reads this. At Clarkson United Methodist Church, we believe our mission is to help connect people to people and people to God. God's grace and love, as revealed in Jesus Christ, provides a foundation for our ministry. We believe every person is a child of God and every person is invited to know God's grace. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. 
We welcome all persons to our church without regard to age, race, gender, ethnic or cultural background, national origin, economic condition, marital status, sexual orientation, political affiliation, or any other means people use to categorize God's people. We recognize that there are differences among us, but we believe that we grow in grace when we embrace diversity in our circle. We are united by our love for Christ, despite the issues on which we may disagree. We believe we can love alike, even though we may not think alike, and we seek to welcome all people into Christian community and relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that statement of inclusion is available for you on the welcome table if you'd like to pick one up as you leave today. We write this because we want to make it clear that the mission and journey of Clarkson United Methodist Church continues on the same path it has always been, and why we will continue to pray for the struggles of the denomination in the world to try to figure out how to live harmoniously, we will continue to strive to do so here in the way in which we always have. We will make space for all. We will learn from each other. And we will be on the journey of faith, as Paul was. How else can I put it? Well, let me say it to you like this. On this playground, everybody's welcome. Here, all of God's children, families, individuals, whoever comes in the door is welcome to you because this is God's house. And we will seek to grow to understand from each other more and more of what we can know about Jesus Christ and about each other. As we gather here together, we will always seek to celebrate the truth that God is in the midst of it all. And one day, when the children of this church or any child of God comes up to me or Pastor Hal or Reverend Laura or I have on good authority, Pastor Megan, and says to us, here's who I am. Whatever, whatever they're presenting, here's what I'm dealing with in my life, whatever they're presenting. And when, by presenting that to us, they ask us, is there a place for us here? Will we be welcomed here as we are? Will we grow in faith with you? We'll tell them what we told them since they were in angels in training. You are God's child. You are gifted as God's child. You are loved as God's child. And here we will love you, we will walk with you, and we will treat you as equal with every other child of God. That's for all. That's for everyone. And it's not because it's politically correct, nor because... It seems soft and nice and warm and cuddly because it's not always easy. 
We say it because it's what Jesus did. We say it because here we have come to live out and understand. Grace never ends. Amen.